Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Womanica. This month, we're highlighting women who led extraordinary lives of resistance. Whether fighting tyranny, oppression, sexism, racism, or reproductive control, these women created paths for change. Today, we're talking about one of the earliest and most influential figures in the modern fight for women's rights. Her writings became the groundwork for many feminists in the Western world for centuries after her death. Please meet Mary Wollstonecraft. Mary Wollstonecraft was born on April 27, 1759 in London. Her family was well off, but her father badly mismanaged their wealth. Mary's childhood was marked by the steady financial and social decline of her family, as well as repeated abuse by her father. At the time, it was common for girls to receive very little formal education, and Mary only went to school for a few years. But she found ways to study on her own. Thanks to neighbors' libraries, she read influential writers like Plato, Milton, and Shakespeare. Mary always yearned for independence, but her family's financial insecurity made that difficult. As a young woman, she spent a short period working as a lady's companion. That didn't last long. Around 1780, she had to return home for several months to nurse her dying mother. A few years after that, she moved in with her younger sister Eliza to help Eliza care for her newborn baby. During this period, Mary persuaded Eliza to leave her husband an infant. Historians aren't sure exactly why Mary thought Eliza needed to leave, but it's possible that Eliza had postpartum depression. Eliza's daughter died a year later. Mary brought Eliza to live with her closest friend, Fanny Blood. The three women devised a plan to open a school for girls in the progressive Newington Green community in North London. They first welcomed students in 1784, and the school quickly earned a good reputation. But the success was short-lived. In 1785, Fanny got married, got pregnant, and moved to Portugal. She was also getting weaker and weaker due to tuberculosis. Mary rushed overseas to visit her and stayed with Fanny in her final days. Without Fanny and Mary around, their school in London collapsed. After Fanny's death, Mary had to find work. She took a job as a governess with the daughters of Lord and Lady Kingsborough in Ireland in 1786. She hated the work and her mistress, and again, the gig didn't last long. In the meantime, Mary continued to study and write. She published her first book, Thoughts on the Education of Daughters, in 1787, with the help of radical publisher Joseph Johnson. She wrote passionately about the need for girls to be formally educated like boys. After the release of her book, Mary began writing for Joseph's literary magazine, The Analytical Review. Through her writing, she became familiar with the influential literature of her time, and reviewed everything from poetry to sermons to travel accounts. In 1790, conservative philosopher Edmund Burke sparked controversy after publishing a political pamphlet in support of the constitutional monarchy and the aristocracy. In response, Mary published A Vindication of the Rights of Men. It was a fierce defense of egalitarian ideals. Initially, the work was published anonymously. Mary added her name in the second edition, which led some reviewers to take her arguments less seriously because she was a woman. Still, the pamphlet was widely read and popular, 
she had made a name for herself as a political writer. Two years later, Mary published her most enduring work, A Vindication of the Rights of Women. She argued that women were just as capable of reason as men. Women were just denied the same educational opportunities. She wrote, Let woman share the rights and she will emulate the virtues of man. Her book would later be known as one of the earliest works in feminist philosophy. In the early 1790s, Mary traveled to Paris. There, she met an American businessman, Gilbert Imlay. They had an affair, and she posed as his wife in public. In 1794, she gave birth to their daughter, Fanny, named for her dear friend. Mary and Gilbert's relationship was tumultuous. Mary attempted suicide, and the affair ended shortly after that in 1796. Later that year, she found new love with William Godwin, a radical philosopher. They had met at the Analytical Review. Mary became pregnant again, and they were married in 1797. On August 30th of that year, Mary went into labor. After 18 hours, her second daughter was born. Mary named her Mary, too. Baby Mary would eventually become Mary Shelley, writer of one of the first-ever science fiction stories, Frankenstein. The long and difficult birth took its toll on Mary Wollstonecraft. In the days after, she suffered from acute hemorrhaging and infection. Mary died on September 10, 1797, just 11 days after her daughter was born. She was 38 years old. The next year, Mary's husband, William, published an account of Mary's life. He wanted to preserve her legacy. The conservative critics gleefully smeared Mary's reputation when they learned of her sexual history. Having a child out of wedlock was a major scandal at the time. For more than a century, Mary's memory was tarnished. As the feminist movement grew stronger, so did calls to reconsider Mary's legacy as a foundational figure in the fight for women's rights. Her writings became hugely influential with later feminists, including Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Margaret Fuller, and Virginia Woolf. Today, she's widely regarded as an early feminist icon. All month, we're highlighting women who led lives of resistance. For more information, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Womanica Podcast. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you tomorrow.